Welcome back to the 16th Street Scanner. I'm AJ. Before we hit play on this episode, uh, I just want to start off with a little disclaimer. This was our first ever in-person recording, and unfortunately the quality didn't turn out quite as we had hoped. Um, There's a bit of background noise, and at one point you even hear me crack another beer. But uh, we did the best we could with the equipment we we have. Um, Despite the subpar quality, we've got some great discussion ahead about our experience at the track for qualifying weekend um, and talk about our expectations for this weekend's Indianapolis 500. Um, We also even have our show's first ever guest host, so uh, that was pretty exciting. Um, With that, I'll leave you to it, um, and please enjoy this episode of the 16th Street Scanner. Three, two, one... Welcome back to the 16th Street Scanner. I am here in beautiful Indianapolis, Indiana, and I am sitting across the table with my good pal and co-host, Mr. Tyler Page, for our first ever live in-person recording. Tyler, how are we doing? I'm doing good, man. Uh, It's been good spending the last few days with you. We're recording, uh, what is this, Tuesday, May... 23rd. 23rd. Uh, So a couple days after uh, Indy 500 time trials, qualification... Not sure the right language to use there, but uh, either way, you know what we're talking about. We're here to talk IndyCar. So. Yeah. I am also joined by my beautiful fiance, Olivia Nelson. Olivia, how you doing? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello me. and... Yes. How, do you, how do you feel, Olivia? I feel great. I'm excited to be here at this roundtable live in Indianapolis. I've heard a lot about the lead-up to where we are now. Yeah, you've heard a lot about the lead-up to where you are now. And I feel like I've been on a journey as an IndyCar fan, and it's leading to this point really rapidly, you know, in the middle of May, in the middle of the season, where we're reaching a peak. And it's weird because for me as an F1 fan... You know that normally comes either after the second race in the season's case, or <laughs> or you know, in, at the end of the season. Uh, but there's still it, it's weird for me to conceptualize this because there is a race. There's a season after this. Yes, but there's this is a long season after this. This is an important race. Yes. You know? Yeah. Well, we we'll get to that. I want to start out. I mean, obviously, quali- qualifying was this weekend for the Indy 500. You guys were both there, Tyler. It was your first time in person seeing IndyCars on track on the Oval at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Olivia, it's your, what, second time in qualifications. Mm-hmm. It, you've been to a handful of races. so you, you know, Five. Five. You're seasoned. It's pretty point. good, yeah. Um, yeah. But you're still kind of a casual fan. You don't follow the series really much outside of going to the 500. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a good opportunity to kind of get both of your 
perspectives on what transpired this weekend and you know as new or newer and casual fans what it was like for you mm-hmm. um so yeah well tyler first off like what did you think in it, your first time seeing indy cars going 240 miles an hour on on track yeah you know your dad asked me like your dad asked me the same question a couple days ago mm-hmm. he was like what do you think tyler and i was like it's hard for me to really frame it other than just, um, you know, it was very exciting. There was a lot of just a buzz in the air, for mm-hmm. sure, in the in the area, I think. You know, as soon as I left Illinois, I came to Indiana, mm-hmm. you start seeing the, the flags, checkered flags up in people's houses. Um, there is a atmosphere here where it is all about IndyCar, mm-hmm. and that is very cool. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, at the actual track... Uh, yeah, you know, you're just trying to absorb every minute mm-hmm. and kind of trying to follow everything was definitely more difficult than on TV. Mm-hmm. But overall, fantastic. You know, good experience. I would recommend everyone come here if you're a racing fan. Yeah. Well, and for, and for those of you that don't know, Alex Pillow is on pole for the Indianapolis 500. Fastest pole speed ever, 234.217 miles per hour. Uh, like I said, fastest pole speed in history. Um, Olivia, what did you think? I mean, you were there last year. You saw, you saw Scott Dixon's run last year, which at that point was the fastest pole speed in history. But you know, what what's the experience like for you as someone who's kind of familiar with it, but um, you know, is still relatively new? Yeah, I mean, it's always interesting to see which names enter the top five for me because. A lot of them, especially since I've been going for five years, have become familiar. However, some of them are new this year. So I remember asking you about a couple, mm-hmm. maybe Jack Harvey even. I Jack always Harvey's forget been who's. A see, but like he's been for in some the reason, back. I yeah. feel like I've heard his name before. Well, I mean, he's in the back still, but. But that's the thing. I feel like I haven't heard his name before, and all of a sudden this year he was part of the talk. If yeah. you will. So it's always interesting to see which names enter the top five, especially when it comes time to the Sunday poll decision result. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that that was exciting. Yeah. No, I can understand. Like, I feel like it was it was really weird for me to see these people up close and in person um, and to see some of the names I recognize just flying by. Um, and up close. And up close. We had in a couple. Inter- we had a couple interactions. We can get to that later. Gasoline alley. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll yeah. To that. Um, but definitely, I don't know. It was, it was cool. Um, what did you think of the speed? Like, what was it? Did it look faster than you thought it would? Did it look slower than you thought it would? Like, what was that? I mean, I took you over into the short shoot in the south end, right? You know, right up against the wall. There's kind of a little walkway. Yeah. Right near the tunnel to get into the museum, for those of you who don't know. Uh, kind of a good little... They kind of kick you out after a lap or two, but it's a good good spot to kind of get that sensation of speed. Yeah. Yeah, that was right over near, like, the Gain Bridge uh, sponsorship uh, yeah, stands. Right? Yeah, 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 they weren't letting anyone sit there, but they had the banner. Uh, that was definitely the best place to conceptualize the speed. Uh-huh. Um, I think we got a video of Catherine Lake out there, uh, just 
whipping by at 240 miles an hour. It's hard for me to imagine being in that cockpit, but uh, definitely uh, new respect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. Hey, have you seen an oval before, Olivia? Well, for the 500, yeah. Yeah. But what always, I remember last year too, we sat near turn one, right? Yeah, we sit in stand and, A every year. Which yeah. Is, but it's kind of directly across from the first pit box, so it's right into the entrance. But for time trials, yeah, we were in, like, right by turn one. Yeah, standy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that is where, I mean, I remember seeing, like, the speed was very clear upon the first 500. So I've been used to the actual speed of it, even, like, I feel like I blink and I miss the cars going by if I'm looking straight ahead. Oh, yeah. But time trials were actually different for me because sitting close to that turn mm. and seeing them actually turn and get close to the stand over there it seemed like they were inches away from hitting the wall every single time every single driver and it, i know that's just the path that they take obviously like that's where they're supposed to go to get the best speed but it still blows my mind I, every time i thought they were going to run into the wall and it amazes me that they never do yeah they're hanging on by a thread mm-hmm. uh and it was like you know, I wanted to, I, I'm not going, I wanted to look at my phone a couple of times. I'm a, I'm a normal human at this point. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, you, at least in this qualification, you could not, there was no opportunity. There's no break. Yeah. yeah. It was constant. Um, and I wasn't expecting that to be honest, walking in the front door. Well, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> never been my, I've been going to my first experience. I've talked about this before on the show is that the first time I ever saw an Indy car, live on track was at pole day um in 97 or 98 and back in those days there it was not action all day like that that was that was the first time i've ever experienced something like that where there have been cars making runs all day and i mean historically like that was borne out because it was uh, they set a record for most it was like 80 something runs on saturday it was literally nonstop from the second they opened the track until the gun went off at 5:50. Like there were cars on track trying yeah. to qualify, which is super cool um, and super exciting. Like it's four qualifying laps, so it's yeah. You know, you know they're on edge. You know they're like running at the absolute limit. Yeah, and most of the guys, you're not seeing 80 laps of 240 miles an hour of them mm-hmm. whipping around turn one. It's yeah, more like you know. 240 350 <laughs> yeah. yeah uh just definitely uh, a lot to absorb yeah well i mean that's a good segue into like what did you guys think of the format was that like olivia was that easy for you to kind of follow along with um a little bit i mean i i knew who was taking off from the pit mm-hmm. i could always tell who that was and you know you you could see you could follow along fairly easily, like, okay, it's our third or fourth, last one. The announcers were great about saying, okay, final round for this one. However, we talked about this a little bit before. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, okay, I see their average for their laps. Yeah. But it wasn't super clear for me from that from that point on, mm-hmm. like which where they stood. And mm-hmm. and I know it just kinda took until everyone was done, but they kept saying, like, okay, this lap was whatever speed, mm-hmm. and everyone would be cheering and so excited, but I, I couldn't really contextualize where they were at, like, where that placed them. 
like each time like each time yeah, the driver went out I totally get that each yeah. lap or like even you, once they were I mean sometimes they were good like if it was the top two I think the announcers were really good about saying like okay they're just behind like the top driver or mm-hmm. the second top driver but once they were done and they were kind of giving the I don't know I feel like they just like didn't really we were talking about this earlier I wasn't sure if I should go by the speed. Yeah. Or um, how long. They didn't really announce, like, well, I mean, it's, the duration of their time. It, it's the same thing. Like, because they're all going the same distance. Mm-hmm. Whoever covers that distance in the shortest amount of time is... Going the fastest. Going so the, the fastest. speed equals the duration. <laughs> sort well, of. Yeah, I mean, speed is, like, distance over time. It, it did make it a little confusing because somewhat because sometimes you're what i eventually what i started looking at was the splits between lap one and lap two how much are the drivers losing speed and how quickly are they Mm -hmm. because i think even i think ferrucci maybe i don't know someone you know they might have a really great first lap but then their second and third lap sucks Mm -hmm. and you're just sitting there like you know they started off saying like and he's you know Falling right behind below or something. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, he's not even close at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the PA announcer, like, it's their job to make it. Exciting. Yeah, for sure. So, like, they're gonna if there's an opportunity for them to like present it as competitive, they're gonna do that. Yeah, which I appreciate because I want to know after each driver, like, where do they stand? So I appreciate them being like, oh, they're just behind so and so, or like, yeah, yeah. Especially as they fall behind or gain speed. Yeah, it's like your play-by-play guy yeah. for yeah. baseball. You know, you're trying to kind of yeah. set the scene. Yeah. yeah, I get it. Um, it's still, it was harder to follow, I will say. Uh, because I, I honestly, I had to pull up the NTT IndyCar app on my phone. Uh-huh. And that's when things started clicking for me. Uh, when I was watching, because it became more like baseball, where I'm like, okay, here's his first lap in comparison to the, yeah, you know, top three on the, yeah, front row, and here's the second lap compared to those guys and stuff like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I would have appreciated like a running total like that of like exactly where everyone stands. Yeah, <laughs> as they go out. Well, the thing is, you can't really say until they're done. No, you, right. Like you can't. You can say like, oh. And they would say that, like, he's trending second, he's trending third. Like, they would say that over the course of the run. Um, but you can't say for sure that, like... Mm-hmm. Well, what I will say, not to cut you off, what I will say is when, on Sunday, when they had the lowest or the slowest for go out, they really, that was an easier transition to clock from the slowest four versus once the top, what was it? Six. Well, they hit the top 12 and then the top six. Top six, yeah. yeah. So that I knew. Okay, like, we're going from an average of, I think it was 229 in the slowest four. And then when the fastest six came, the top six came back out, the average was over 230. So that was easier. But when the averages were so similar to each other, that's when I couldn't really tell, like, who was doing better. Yeah. I mean, well, that's kind of part of the excitement is you don't know like you don't know who's gonna come out on top and it's gonna depend on that third and fourth lap and like maybe the third lap is slower i mean sometimes people go faster on their fourth lap like jack harvey for example like he picked it up on the fourth lap and it got him into the race so 
like for me the excitement is not knowing the excitement is like can he do what it takes he or she do what it takes to notch that fastest last lap to bring that average up and be faster than whoever else they're trying to beat yeah there were just so many times where crowd's getting excited mm. the pa announcer's like here he comes he's coming around turn three <laughs> and i looked at you and i'm like it's over he's oh, not yeah. gonna get it oh uh, <laughs> yeah and i'm sure like people at home are easily like you know this isn't gonna work out but uh yeah, i don't know i had to put myself in that frame of mind to yeah. actually understand it yeah well and going and having been there a lot in my life for these like for for time trials you can eventually figure it out like you know that <laughs> like someone doesn't they're they're not gonna yeah. be able to hold it over the course of four laps yeah you can tell and if they if their first lap is barely faster than someone's four lap average like yeah they're not gonna beat that average because no one goes faster on their second and third and fourth lap well, then we should talk about Jack Harvey, because how did that happen? Well, he, he almost got bumped, right? Yeah, so, he, I mean, I can't remember exactly. Let me look at the sheet. I don't Sometimes, like, I guess I just don't understand how... I often ask AJ, like, how... They're obviously putting... They're flooring it. Yeah, they should so, be, right? Yeah. So sometimes I don't understand how, especially for this example of Jack Harvey, out of nowhere, seemingly, same car they're able to pull it out when I, I mean, I'm sure it's strategy where maybe you're being conservative to, to just make it and not crash or I don't know, but especially for something like time trials, I would think they are putting the pedal to the metal. They are. I mean, they're but going flat out the whole time. I guess. Do you know how there can be a difference in the fourth lap versus the previous laps? I mean, there is like, like, driver input makes a difference. Like, you can take a better line, you can turn in at the right, you know. I would think that I makes mean, a pretty big difference. It's, well, it's, Along with setup. Well, yeah, setup's a big deal. I mean, you can make adjustments in the car. Sometimes the wind changes. Like, it can be... And it's... We're talking fractions of a second. Like, That's true. I saw... I can't remember who it was. I saw on Twitter, like, the difference between the pole speed and the 33rd car in the field over the course of four laps... Like, it would have been, like, a quarter of the front stretch. Mm -hmm. Like, if you just lined them up in terms of speed, it would be... That's the difference over four laps. It's, like, a very, very small amount of time. And so, like, the tiniest adjustments can make a huge difference. I mean, we're talking... Yeah. The pole speed was 234.217. Jack Harvey, slowest qualifier, was 229.166. So, it's like less about five miles an hour. Yeah, your dad brought up that it was like sixteen inches difference between uh, Ray Hall getting bumped and also Wow sitting on pole. Yeah. So it's microscopic. It's like very very small things can make a big difference. That's it's. They should just make the car sixteen inches longer. We keep going back to this. I, I, You're I, on the something. I've said that before. I'm telling you, you head on up to Zionsville, knock on the front door at our at Ray Hall, Letterman, and you'd have a job. 
<laughs> I don't know why they don't do it. You know, I'm not a rocket scientist. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the simplest solution. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what did you guys think about the experience as a whole? Like, what did you make of the crowd? I mean, you guys both got to go into Gasoline Alley for the first time, which is pretty cool. Yeah. What, what did you guys think about that? Yeah, I loved. I loved going into Gasoline Alley. Uh, you know, for for uh, the plebs out there, and for the normal folk like myself, uh, that is where the garages are. It's what uh, I don't know. Is that that's probably like what F one would refer to as the paddock, maybe? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So drivers are running around. They're working on the cars. Uh, it was a lot of fun going to see that uh in terms of like the scene in general i thought it was amazing that you could bring your own beer in <laughs> that's a huge perk this is like the only place in like the u.s i feel like where there's a major sporting event where you can bring in beer uh, um, there's some other races i think you can but some like even some other places on the indycar schedule i don't think you can yeah crazy yeah amazing yes yeah, so <laughs> that's a very good point it's uh that's a top perk up there um mm-hmm. Entrance to IndyCar, I know they had an article out there talking about how they have new metal detectors. That was definitely true. I just walked right in with my Seamless. whole cooler of beer, um, my vape with some illegal substances in it. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly illegal substances in it. Uh, no problem. No one asked any questions. They knew I was there to have a good time. Um, no one gave me a hard time. It was, you know... Real, real good experience overall in terms of even like entering the park. We found great parking right across the street at the IMS uh, offices for ten dollars. I would recommend that. Don't well, we don't want to. Let's keep that to ourselves. Well, for our dedicated <laughs> listeners, <laughs> we're giving you a scoop. <laughs> we're all in the car with us. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is the place to park. Um, and then. Yeah, I just thought great, great times all around. Sunday was a little weird because there's a lot of kids. Uh, you know, I had no problem with that at all. Just got to make sure I watch my language. Um, That's, I mean, I'm in the same boat. That's difficult for me. Yeah, we do a pretty good job of it on here, but occasionally there's some fire required here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but definitely, uh, the, if you're in the Midwest and you haven't come to this, you need to. I would oh, say wholeheartedly it, agree. This is probably one of the best events that the Middle West has to offer. That's that's some high praise. Yeah. Do you agree, Olivia? I would agree. Well, especially for time trials, I think it's a good recommendation if you are unfamiliar with IndyCar or the Indy 500. I think it's a good opportunity to get your toes dipped in the water. Your toes wet. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever this thing is. <laughs> Because it is, the crowds are a little bit less intense. You you know, you can move, mosey around a little bit easier. Um, so that's kind of why I really enjoyed going there on Sunday and last year as well. Because although the energy is definitely different from being there for the 500, it still is really, it's kind of like a, it's a peaceful version of it. I don't know. It's it's still exciting, but it's just less intense in a good way. Interesting. Pe- yeah. A peaceful version. I think it really is. I yeah. felt like I the whole day I was kind of walking around just like no one was running into me. I just felt like we could go yeah. wherever we wanted to go. And maybe the weather had something to do with it. Like it was mm-hmm. perfect weather. But 
honestly, even when we went to the gasoline alley, that I just feel like was so blissful. We were just walking around. There were never, like the crowds there were, you would think they would be pretty substantial, I think, in getting autographs, but maybe that's the point in getting back there. You kind of, what we were talking about while being there, it was a stroke of luck in order to pass a driver, especially if you were after a specific driver. It was a stro- it took a stroke of luck in order to run into them, at, run into mm-hmm. them at the right time to get their autograph. So maybe that was kind of the magic of it too. Is just like you don't know what you're gonna get. Yeah. While you're there. Yeah. The hunt- in all sense of the word. Yeah. yeah. The hunt for me there was real good. Yeah, you uh, you did you, good. The adrenaline was pumping for you. It, I could tell it was pumping. Even though I only got Pato's signature, uh, and it wasn't, I didn't even take it home. <laughs> I had your dad's program, and he was like, hey, put me on a mission, and I'll go do it. Uh, but, yeah, meeting, you know, even like the, the two-second interaction with Pato, mm-hmm. being in the same presence as Tony Kanaan, uh, Grosjean's riding by us on scooters. Multiple times. Multiple times. I mean, I have talked crap about Pato and Grosjean on this show. Well, so. And you were often quiet. I gotta say, <laughs> I'm not gonna. When you had the opportunity, because they to confront it. them they face didn't. to face, I'm not gonna confront Pato because he seems like a nice gentleman. But <laughs> Grosjean, he knew to stay away. He had a scooter. He could hit me in the shins. Is is you know? You could also end his career. <laughs> <laughs> just saying, just pointing that out. I just I don't know. I'm not gonna confront Grosjean. I'm not gonna do that face to face. I don't really have a beef with these guys. Other Except than for VK. VK. No, you don't. You don't have a. I don't have a beef with VK. VK. I just had a dream about him, which was real weird. And then we ran into him. Kinda uh, could have had his autograph. He was right there, but that was the one that got away for us. One that got away. No, I, I wasn't time. I wasn't trying to. At that point, I was doing the autograph hounding for my dad, and I wasn't gonna. It was a, a young girl stopped, waved him down. She's a hawk. Yeah, she was. She was all. She was all over Arena. She was all over. She was right on Pato as soon as he walked yep. in. Um, but Those yeah, parents I, knew what they were doing. I wasn't gonna. It wasn't. I wasn't gonna go like full on stolen valor. Like, yeah. But then eight people the lined up to get thunder. Yeah. to get uh, Rainus VK's autograph. There were plenty of people who have less shame than I do. Yeah, I, I'm one of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I'm looking for the experience. And, the like, you know, when I was getting Pato's signature, my heart was pumping. Mm-hmm. I don't even really care about Pato, to be honest. Yeah. So which, that was real weird. But it was fun. Uh, it was real fun being back there in the paddock. Was it more interesting for you guys to be near, like, around the cars or the drivers? What was, like, more of a thrill for you guys? Probably probably the drivers. I mean, like, the cars are fine, but there's multiple cars. There's only one driver. Sure. Um, they're setting up the cars, and the cars are what's qualifying. Yeah. But uh, the driver is the personality. The driver is the guy you see on 100 Days to Indy. Yeah. They're the face of the team. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, definitely them. Mm-hmm. I agree, especially because we did pass 
way more cars than drivers. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean... Yeah, you kind of got bored, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I guess I can't even say for sure that all of them were going to drive that day, car-wise. car, car, car wise. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we saw a lot of teams working on the cars, which was really cool. Like, I got some really cool photos and videos of that. But, again, like, we didn't know for sure that that car would be out on the track. Mm-hmm. At least I didn't. So, I agree. I just think we've grown to know... A thing or two about each driver and it just mm-hmm. that's to me a little bit more fascinating that they can they're they're the ones i mean how driving many, this machine how many times do we see grosjean with his Honestly. little with his little scooter well, he saw, was all over we saw him twice it, <laughs> at it, least twice. more than that well, it, while we were in gasoline alley we saw him twice it, we happened to do the same and it was the the far end by the gas station, which Olivia was smitten with. <laughs> Look it up, everyone. Look up Andretti. <laughs> and you'll know yeah, what Andretti Autosport about. tweeted something about it. Um, and a whole good TikTok about the gas station. They did. Yeah, Olivia. Ahead of my time. Olivia would have had the scoop if we would have let her run our social media. Yeah. So I try. Maybe in the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have proof. We'll post it on Twitter. Yes. Photo yes. In front of the gas station. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so we were do like, we had gone around that end once and he buzzed by us on his scooter. Then we had run back around because we had seen Renus come through. So yeah. we kind of ran back that way. For whatever reason, he was coming right back the same direction on his scooter again. And again, didn't stop or anything, but then we left and then we were walking around the outside because we went out, out by the pits and came back around. And then we saw him again going through. Mm-hmm. Again, the exact same. Maybe route. if he rode the scooter on the track, you know, he might have qualified a little bit better. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. But yeah. That seems like he had a lot of time with that. So Yeah. He, he was getting faster and faster. You know, now that you mention it. He's <laughs> whipping around the corners, man. You know, that does make me question. Like, for all the other drivers, we passed... Um, all of their RVs. No. Uh, RVs, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do all the other drivers who aren't practicing that day slash weekend even, I don't know, do they all just hang out there? Like, are they all just chilling there? A lot of them stay in the RVs for the whole month. Like, they live at the track in their, on the RV lot for the month, from what I can tell. I mean, I'm sure some of them come and go. At some point, I mean, some like some of the guys who maybe live in town don't mm-hmm. live. But like one one of the big things that happens every year is like they prank each other. Like last year, Connor Daly had a blow up Coleman hot tub, and you know those little beads that you can put in yeah. and absorb the water. The Orbeez, or yes. Yeah. Um, I think it was Alexander Rossi and Sage Karam maybe like dumped a shit ton of those in his <laughs> hot tub and absorbed all the water <laughs> yeah it's a little blow up hot tub um and i saw this year someone put like painted i don't know if they painted or like wrapped pato's scooter yeah, handlebars pink and then put little streamers on there and super glued them on there so like the pranks there's one year I, I don't know if it was colton herda or someone's golf cart tires ended up stacked up on top of their RV. I can't remember who that was. That was several years ago. Wow. Was that, like, they got the picker out there? They're like, I take the tires <laughs> off of this. <laughs> yeah, they got the air jacket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's probably exactly what happened. But, um, 
Yeah, there's like a little bit of a culture. I saw Scott McLaughlin, I think it was last night, they were doing a pickleball tournament out in the parking lot, it, like at night. Oh, that's cool. And Doug Bowles had the facility, some of the facilities people come bring like a like a big floodlight <laughs> to put over the court so they could see better while they were playing. So yeah, a lot of them stay there, I think, for the most part. Interesting. That almost surprises me that we didn't see more activity maybe they're avoiding it but i don't know well yeah during well there's out on track stuff i think they're either inside mm-hmm. or they're in the garage i don't think yeah. they're like hanging out outside. it was weird how many people on colton Herta's team looked like they had colton Herta's haircut you know they really embodied <laughs> like i mean it is yeah. a vibe the, the haircut is a vibe. it's a california yeah. kind of way way back kind of thing yeah i was just surprised to see it you know um I mean, like, not Grosjean's team didn't look like Grosjean. <laughs> well, yeah. Maybe that says more about Grosjean than it says about Colton Herta. But Hey, me and Grosjean, we're going to make up. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Well, I'm not so confident. <laughs> but we'll see. Um, well, yeah. I mean, is there, like, do you guys have any questions about what you saw this week? Like, anything that you're still confused about or, you know, uncertain about? Uh, yeah, just, you know, wondering, uh, so, practice on Monday, mm-hmm. uh, we had, Graham Ray Hall got bumped. Yeah, on Sunday. On Sunday. Practice happens on Monday, and Catherine Leg is getting checked up, and she's not checking up, and we have Stefan Wilson run into the wall. Yeah. Uh, and break a vertebrae. Yeah. Which, apparently... An IndyCar is not a big deal. I wouldn't say it's not a big deal. <laughs> not trying to sound insensitive here, but it's it's like uh, not uncommon. Yeah, uh, not uncommon. Uh, you said Ryan Hunter Ray has broken his a vertebrae before. Is that who it was? Um, um, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, I'm misremembering. It's been a long weekend. There's been a lot of drinking. Yes, that's so, Maybe it wasn't, but, you know, there's been other people who have broken their vertebrae before in a race. It, it was very common in the early IRL days. I know Scott Goodyear broke his back. Buddy Lazier mm. won the 96 Indy 500 with a broken back. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. What year was that? 1996. I imagine uh, his doctors were telling him not to do that. <laughs> I think he was, like, mostly fine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Mostly fine. Just getting this I mean, rocket ship that he, goes for So like, how bad could it have been? How bad could it have been? <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. So, well, yeah. Buddy Lazier isn't known for too much. <laughs> but he is known for winning the Indy 500. I just had to ask the question because I feel like uh, that was a really big moment uh, in terms... Yeah. I mean, we saw... We were at the track when Graham Ray Hall got bumped. Yeah. And we saw him... They put him on the video board crying his eyes out. Yeah, in pit lane, and I feel like we all fell for him because he's kind of living up to the legacy of his father. Yeah, especially at this track, mm-hmm. at this race, mm-hmm. and for drivers, is it the most embarrassing thing to to get bumped? There's 33 spots. I would be embarrassed. Well, I don't know if it's like the the most embarrassing thing i think it would be more embarrassing for like something to happen on track like while you're out there i guess i don't know but that's not for really like that's not for me to speculate yeah i don't know um 
definitely sucks more than probably anything else. Yeah. Outside of like <laughs> breaking your back or something like that <laughs> yeah. and missing the race, which is very unfortunate circumstances that happened, which we'll get, we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, but I mean, I know we chuckled about the prospect of Ray Hall coming back and winning it or doing well. So that was one of my thoughts is like, how indicative is the pole positioning? It's probably not even the right phrase. Is the I positioning wonder, because of the time trials for the 500? Like, how much does that actually matter? Of course you want to be... Well, I, I don't know if that it's like... <clears throat> it actually matters where you start. Well, like, how indicative is it of your yeah. success at the 500? Like, I what wondered last week... With or uh, two weeks ago or whatever it was, a Gallagher because one guard took pole. I was real excited, mm-hmm. but I was acknowledging not everyone who takes pole wins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in most cases they don't, but in more cases than other positions probably. Yeah. So in the history of the Indianapolis 500, 21 there's and up to this point there have been 106 Indy 500s, not including this year. There have been 21 winners from pole position, which is. Eight more than the next most winners from a certain starting position, which is third with 13. And then the second um, has had 11 wins. More, um, more people win from third. More people win from pole. 21 well, drivers yeah. have won from pole. But, but more people win from third than second. Weird. Yeah. I mean, I think it's more a result of the people who win pole have the best cars. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Like, yeah, it's, it's not, not the pole that got him it. Yes. Yeah. You you have to earn pole position. And nine times out of ten, the car that wins pole is going to be the fastest car overall. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, it kind of just makes, like, I don't know what correlation, causation, I don't know what any of that bullshit means, but, like... I would, I guess, I mean, it makes a complete sense. I guess I would just be interested to know how many drivers that were in the slowest, based off of the time trials, slowest, like, five, like, from that time Sunday Sunday morning, like, the slowest four, and Ray Hall included, mm-hmm. how many of them ever end up winning? Do you know? Um, so, the furthest back anyone has ever won is 28th, and that's I happened... Have- out of 33. Um, and I know one of them, uh, I'm fairly certain, was the very first Indy 500. And at that point in time, qualifi- like starting order was determined by when you entered the race. So it, was, it wasn't qualified. Like, they didn't set the grid by speed at that yeah. point in time. Like, um, Jimmy showed up late. Like, All right, well, you're going to go late. Yeah. Um, there have been... There's been one winner from 27th. There's been one from 25th. In the last 50 years? This is in the entire history of uh, okay. the 106-year history of the Indianapolis 500. Um, the only positions um, outside of the first two rows that have won five or more races, well, there's only one. So, like, seven on? So, so one through six are the first two rows. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I mean, even from the first to the second row, there's a significant drop off. Um, so you have 21, 11, and 13 for first, second, and third. Um, for fourth, fifth, and sixth, you have seven, seven, and five. And then seventh is the only other five time winning starting position. 
Everything else is four or lower. Yeah. And it's important to note that there's three people per row, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I yeah, you didn't, wholeheartedly you didn't know did not know. And yes. I've watched an Indy 500. Yeah. I just did not pay attention. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, it's partially skewed. Like, back in the day, it was a lot harder to win from further back because um, the, the, the gap in the speed was way different. Like, we, were, we had 86 or 87 on the other day. Um, the, I think the difference between the pole speed and the, the slowest qualifier was, like, 14 miles an hour. Yeah. And, like, there were cars that were a couple of years old, you know, way behind on aerodynamics. I mean, you had people from who knows where hopping into cars. Well, it was a very different time. So that kind of skews the numbers not, a little bit. Not so different because Graham's going to be running in a, in a 2012 chassis. I don't know if you saw that. Well, I mean, they're all 2012. I mean, like, some of them are, have been, like, built more recently. Like, yeah, yeah, physically Manufactured built. more recently. But not But designed. the design has not changed since mm-hmm. 2012. The tub is the same, which is the chassis. I'm, I'm wearing this right now. Yes. That is absurd. Why? Why hasn't it been updated in the last 10 years? Uh, I think mostly cost. The owners haven't. That's that's a big thing. We, I don't really want to get into that, but we can get into it if you want. <laughs> I, I feel like if you're trying to be a more competitive, a more exciting sport, you need to update your chassis more than once every 10 years. Especially if you're going to keep getting stuck 7th place and beyond it sounds like you have no hope so i would feel like what else can we do i'd like a little mix up i'm not gonna say like six years i don't know but i don't know the right cadence uh, well they've done things to make them different yeah so when they first introduced it's the dw12 is the current chassis it had a certain aero kit like aerodynamic design Mm -hmm. um in 2015 originally the plan was to have each engine manufacturer design their own aero kit for these cars they delayed that a couple years 2015 chevy and honda both started building their own aero kits so hondas looked very different they had this big old shark fin the chevys had a very like lean more compact design to their aero kit um and that lasted until 2018 so that was just 2015 2016 2017 2018, they moved to the Universal Aero Kit, they call mm-hmm. it. So moved away from um, the the manufacturer-designed Aero Kits, which were a little more um, like downforce and aerodynamically reliant than, yeah. than the, the cars today. Um, they're still running that, that Universal Aero Kit mm-hmm. um, that has, a, I think, a bigger diffuser, bigger underwing, more ground effect downforce than aerodynamic downforce um so they've changed them and like if you took a cat like when you say ground effect downforce are you talking about like like the floor of the car mm-hmm. is designed a certain way to move like to allow air to move yeah under i can it understand that, that versus the wings downforce. yeah pushing down yeah okay um and like Olivia, if I showed you a picture of a car from 2012 and a car from this year, you would not, just as a casual fan, you would not know it's the same car. Mm, speakers, oh. I'm 
I'm like 100%. That would actually be a really good test. I mean, it's too late now. Like, now you know it. So, (laughs) (laughs) we can't actually test it. But, like, they do Mm. look very different. Hmm. So, but I, I mean, I do agree that they do need to... Something. I mean, like, it, it can be a small change. Uh, well, I mean, they did add in the, the arrow screen. Too. Yeah, yeah, they did. That was that's, a, that's pretty big, Yeah, I would say. That's what, how else are the cars, I mean, maybe this is a loaded question, but how else are they supposed to advance when I'm just seeing this huge discrepancy between the first, the top three to six drivers based off of the pole position, or sorry, yeah, pole position, time trials. How are the rest of them, through their car, ever supposed to have a fighting chance during the race? Is there anything that they can do? I mean, it just sounds like it's what their car can do, but that just seems so inhibiting. Uh, well, I mean... And maybe that is just, like, whoever shows up with the best car, the best engineering team. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> you're all, like you can only... Like, your car can only do so much. Like, everyone is limited by their car's performance. What's the biggest difference in the best cars versus the mediocre? Well, like, I mean, is it their engines? What is it? I mean, maybe. I, I mean, That's a good question, I think. Cause like drivers? That, it's something I feel like I, it took me a while to kind of understand. Uh-huh. You know, that, like, the bigger teams, McLaren, you know, especially mm-hmm. at, at this race. Um, like, they have people designated... Who are like, I'm going, like, they have enough resources to where they can give a person a job and their job is just like, okay, I'm going to make sure that this part of the car is functioning as well as it can. Versus like Ray Hall, Waterman, Lanigan, where it's like, it seems like it's three, you know, they got the pet boys behind in the garage and they're figuring it out as they go. I don't know. Well... It's a combination of things. Like, there is that preparation factor. Like, uh, Takuma Sato, I saw. Not in the wall. Not in the wall. We should well, clear, say that out. Uh, <laughs> well, well he said something about, like, this is his first time driving. He's driven for a bunch of different teams. He's driven for Ray Hall. He's driven for Foyt. He's driven for Andretti. Yeah. Um, and this is his first time driving for Ganassi. And he said, like, the preparation and... Just the organizational structure reminds him more of his Formula One days when he was driving for Toyota, or Mm -hmm. Honda, sorry, Um, way back when. Um, And so, like, that's a factor. I mean, Chip Ganassi Racing has been on pole three years in a row. I mean, Alex Plough almost won in 2021. Scott Dixon should have won last year. Um, Plough is probably the heavy favorite going into the race this year mm-hmm. like there is the team factor like the engineering and the mechanics and the pit crews all of that is very very important but your driver still has to execute your driver still has to oh, yeah. especially at qualifying they have to have the pedal to the floor for all four laps that it has to be glued they have to be flat out the entire time if they want any chance at pole because 33 of these guys and girls went out and were flat out for four laps. And only one of them's on pole. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I don't know. I guess <laughs> I'm kind of losing my train of thought. No, but like, I just sometimes I just wonder because it, this right IndyCar has been around for over a hundred years now, and obviously they do change the regulations. I don't know how often. I'm I'm sure fairly often. So I just wonder how possible like how easily the teams that maybe aren't doing so well can look to the successful teams at what they're doing right or maybe it's not so obvious like i'm sure there are a lot of like they keep everything close to their chest but i guess like i wonder like how differently you can engineer the car and the engine like that's what i'm not sure about like how much can you differ from one car to the next yeah. to How make that difference. Is, is it really down to the driver or well, are I they mean, really figuring out a lot of different, I don't know. I don't, I'm not a mechanic. So, but I imagine, neither we. But <laughs> I just want to know like how, how much variation is it very, very minute in well, a variety of areas within the car? Or is it like one thing? Is it all down to, it could be the steering wheel for all I know. I have no idea, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it is all very minute. Like, these are very microscopic changes. Like, the ride height, for example, like, you can change that by, like, like you know, a, a sixteenth of an What do you inch. mean, the ride height? Like, how far the car, the, the bottom of the car is off the ground. Hmm. Like, if it's lower to the ground, it's going to be more... I'm just I'm just glad we're having these conversations, because I know in F1, it's just Red Bull has a better engine, and well, they're, they're, like, a solid, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. 50 horsepower ahead of everyone else. Yeah, yeah, they're way ahead. And I feel like they've given a slight glimpse into that world through their teams, like, they through the um, Drive to Survive series. They've, like, brought viewers into at least some of their headquarters a little bit and talked to their teams a little bit and discussed their strategy a little bit. So I know that it exists, but in terms of IndyCar, I'm like, how much variation could there be? I mean, yeah. well, there's not a ton of area. There are some areas that are, like, totally open for development, and dampers are one of the things that are. Mm-hmm. Um I think that comes into play more on other tracks than it does here yeah, because you're just flat out. Y- well, yeah, and like this is arguably like the best conditioned racing surface in the world. Um, so I don't think that plays a huge part in this. Um, but like, if someone, for example, Chip Ganassi Racing, figured it out ahead of everyone else, figured out what makes this car fast, mm-hmm. like it's not like they. The people at Delara know what's going to make, what's like what setup is going to make the fastest yeah. cars. Right. The teams have to figure it out for themselves. There's no instruction sheet. It's just no. Of course. Here's the car. The Indy car gives them. These are the technical regulations. You I have guess, to be within these windows. What about previous years' winners? Can other teams know after they win what? set up their car had um no i don't think they share that info like they the teams hold on to that information and like try and prevent that from getting out like, i think as much as they possibly can the the question like a, a, at least a good question that applies to the conversation is like what did ray hall letterman lanigan get wrong 
Uh, I think if you knew the answer to that question, you would be the you said high. I mean, you would be the most sought after person in the IndyCar paddock. It's it just you, 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 you posed the question to me at the racetrack, and you were like, "They're doing something fundamentally wrong." I wonder. I have to wonder if they are going to figure it out by race day. Uh, well, there's there's a difference between like a race setup and a qualifying setup. Oh, sure. Because yeah. like. Yeah, a lot of the time you are going flat out during the race at the 500, but not the whole time. And your car has to be able to operate well behind another car. When you're out in qualifying, you're the only car on track. It's it's just that car and that car alone. That's mm-hmm. there's no other than the weather, there's no external factors. So, there's a big difference between race setup and and qualifying setup. Yeah, um, I would assume so. Polo's not going to go out there with the same... I mean, maybe he is, because he yeah. was just really fast. But, but uh, like, you would think you're doing, going for longevity over, you know, four laps. Yeah, and, like, it's a big thing in NASCAR. I don't, They don't talk about it so much in, in IndyCar, um, but they talk about it a lot in NASCAR. It's like car, there's cars that are good over short runs and cars that are good over a long run. Mm-hmm. And so, like... It, it does happen in IndyCar, too, to the same degree. And part of it's, like, how like how are they on tire wear? Like, are they burning through tires quickly? Are they going to have less grip at the end of the stint? Are they going to have more grip at the end of the stint? Stuff like that. Um, there's also, like, fuel consumption. That's another big thing. Like, mm-hmm. can you go more laps running flat out than the... Some of the other teams, so like the other yeah. engine manufacturers. So ideally, right, they would be putting in uh, four laps or like as minimum amount of fuel as they can, right? Yes, yeah. There was one year and, where Scott Dixon and Dario Franchitti, both driving for Chip Canassi, ran out of gas on the last lap of their qualifying attempt. They yeah. Like blew their shot at the pole. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that when there were guys taking. Uh, I feel like there was maybe it was Ungar or someone who ended up taking like three warm up laps, and we we're like, "What the heck is going on?" Um. <laughs> oh, when Harvey came out, to, yeah. yeah, to I think he so there's like an optimal temperature. I think again, I'm yeah, that's right. That's I'm not right. An expert, I, I want to again reiterate. Yeah, it was the temperature of the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were trying to cool it down. That's mm-hmm. why he went out and just ran a couple of slow laps, and because like yeah, it would heat the car back up to run it again, but. Getting cool air moving through the radiators will help overall cool the it, engine down. It makes sense, and it, it kind of seeing the cars up close really helped kind of visualize that because mm-hmm. you know you could see like it's literally these guys <laughs> with the engine, and that's it. Yeah, like I don't know, I, I I understood it, but I didn't understand it, you know, until I saw it, and mm-hmm. I think that's why coming to the race is important mm-hmm. yeah well and one thing to your point about i mean just in terms of rail's team i know he's been successful in the past part of me wonders when they've been successful like what have they done differently mm-hmm. over the years compared to other teams yeah, I would to be not as successful. Like if a team has been successful in the past and then they progressively l- lower in the ranks, I would just be curious how they are 
devolving. I feel like if I were an IndyCar team, I'd be looking at what... I'd literally be looking at footage and saying, what does Palau have going on right here? Exactly. I don't... I, I don't know if that even helps, to be honest. Because setup is so... Like we said, it's so in the weeds. Well, and part of it depends on the driver. Like, some drivers can drive... And Palau is good enough. Well, yeah, they have preferences and what they want the car to feel like while they're driving. Yeah. But what about Ray Hall's example? Like, he has done well in the past, no? I mean, yeah, for the most part. I mean, he's a race winner. He's never won the Indy 500, but... He's got a t- couple top fives. With the same team, or it's... Um, I think one of them was with Ganassi, but uh, 2020 finished third with Ray Hall Letterman. 2021, he hmm. had probably... He could have won. He they we, I think we talked about this last week, but uh, during a pit stop, he... Oh, yeah. They, uh, they couldn't get the tire on. He pulled out, and the tire came off, and he wrecked. Yeah. But he had the car to beat that year. See, interesting. Like, that was only a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here he is getting bumped. Yeah. Uh, but again, that year, he didn't start up front. Um, he was kind of working his way up most of the race. I don't think he started particularly far up the field that year. Um, let's see. Yeah. He started outside of row six. So, 18th. And he had the mm-hmm. car to beat. So, like... He didn't have the pure speed that a lot of guys are looking for in qualifying for qualifying weekend and to, to end up on pole. Um, and part of that also was he was on a good strategy. Like, he only had to make one more stop and everyone else had to make two. So they were getting good fuel mileage. Again, that's a factor. That's always mm-hmm. going to be a factor. Um, and strategy. I mean, you, best car doesn't always win. Hence... I mean, 21 winners from pole position is a lot, but it's only 20%. Yeah. So one out of five times the pole winner wins the race. Four out of five times they don't. So, like, there's a whole lot of other stuff going on. Yeah. Reliability, too. Like, One thing they need to consider this year is the Rosenquist effect, mm -hmm. Uh, and that is that he's going to win. I totally agree. Um I, I'm all in on Felix. I am too. It was very, wow. very cool to see him take uh, first in the, at least the first two, like, qualifying the, sessions. The Fast 12. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they got all these words. Fast 12, uh, Fast 6. Uh, is, there, is there another one? Uh, well, it's the last row shootout for the bottom three. Shootout. <laughs> all right. He wasn't there, but. <laughs> yeah, it was cool to see him. You know, take first there, uh, and I feel like he's just very impressive this weekend. You know, uh, and I like Rosie. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think this is unless you have any other questions, Olivia. I think this is a good chance to move into you know what actually happened, as opposed to yeah our experience being there. Uh, Olivia, are you interested in sticking around for the rest of the conversation? You're more than welcome. That's a lot of pressure. Well, are you up to it? Who do you think's going to win? Well, hold on. <laughs> That's jumping way, way... I just said mine. I mean, I think Rosie... Well, I know, but we, we should talk about a little bit about what... I mean, like, I if, 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 if you do want to leave, you can leave. But I, I got to know who's going to win. I think eyes. you want my opinion because the facts are I've gone to 
five races so far. And usually with AJ's family, we do a drawing. Is that what you would call it? I mean, we it's a pool. You like you pick a driver. Who you think will win. Mm-hmm. Well, you pick multiple drivers. but Yeah, but in the five years that I've gone, I've won three times. Oh, shit. And AJ's won <laughs> one time ever, and I don't even think it was for the 500. No, it was for the 500. Okay. I had Alexander Rossi in 2016. But we have like, well, we're going to have like 17 people in our group this year, so it's going to be a mess. I'm just saying, I think you might call it luck. Mm-hmm. You I might call, call, I, call it. I 100% call it luck. You three, might call it instinct. <laughs> no. I can't, you know, I just think I would like to gauge who may win this year. Well, are you going to stick around or are you not? <laughs> Jeez. If you're going to stick around. Then I don't want to hear yet who you think is going to win. We we'll talk about that later, but if you're not going to stick around, then tell us who you think is going to win. I don't have an answer yet. For for which part? <laughs> for all of it. We'll fix it in post. Um. For real, there's like so much you guys have to fix in post. Ah, oh, no. no, we're fine. For real, people know we're talking live. We're at a kitchen table. Yeah, there's you know crickets outside. We're miles from Indianapolis Motor Speedway. People want to hear the Indianapolis Motor Speedway crickets. You know, yes, they want to hear it. They're they're rubbing their little legs together, singing songs <laughs> about Alex Below's pole. Yeah. They're getting all jolly and you know Gosh. they're You're they're so right. they're in the vibe, man. Um so definitely nothing to fix and post. So you stick around or not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well yeah, so we should talk about what actually happened over the course of the weekend. And Olivia is going to stick around for a little bit, but so uh Well I, I have the full the full starting line. Yeah. Do you want me to read off the first two rows? Sure. Okay, so Alex Pillow, as we mentioned, is on pole. Renus VK, very, very solid performance. Like, six thousandths of a mile an hour. Um, slower than Alex Pillow, which I think they said was, like, the closest gap ever um, at 234.211 miles an it's hour. so wild yes. for him to be second. I mean, like... Who? Yeah, what is it, 16 <laughs> inches or something is the difference? Yeah, 16 inches, and the guy hasn't shown up all year. Yeah. What is going on? Yeah. Well, and then Felix Rosenquist is outside row one in, in the third third starting position, um, 224.114 miles per hour, which, again, is a tenth of a second, or a tenth of a mile an hour slower. Um, then Santino Ferrucci, which was a bit of a surprise, uh, along with um, his teammate Benjamin Peterson, who started 11th, also made the fast 12, kind of kind of a shocker. Um then you all have you have Pato Award in fifth, Scott Dixon in sixth, um, and then Rossi, Sato, TK um, in row three, Erickson, Peterson in power in row four. You know when you said Ferrucci in fourth, I think I heard a little Indianapolis Motor Speedway cricket start crying, little baby <laughs> one. He's sickened by that. What? Why is Ferrucci up there? I. I, f- I feel really bad about it because I'm happy to see Foyt do well. Yeah. But I hate I hate so much that it's Santino Ferrucci. Well, well, it was one of the first shows we recorded. I was like, who's the bad boy? You know, because there always is. Uh, and you were like, eh, probably Ferrucci. And then, uh, you know, do a little bit more research about him. Yeah, he's totally uh, 
You don't want to root for Ferrucci, probably. Yeah, uh, I mean, he has his fan base, I'm sure, but I yeah. I in terms of driver, he is just not. How I I don't I don't know how he didn't end up in a wall. We saw him slip a little bit actually. But. Yeah, I mean, he he was close to wrecking on his first lap, I think, in the Fast 12. Um, he was second fastest in the Fast 12, but only, only Felix was faster. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that's the biggest surprise out of all of them. Just, oh, yeah. I mean, well, it, it's either it's either him or Peterson, honestly. Yeah, I'm Peterson gonna, was crazy. I mean, I'm, yeah. I, I think it helps that they have, uh, they've had some new hires in the engineering department. Um, uh, Michael Cannon. Um, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Who's this? What team? Uh, AJ Foyt Racing. Okay. AJ Foyt Enterprises. Whatever you, whatever you want to call. So Ferrucci and Peterson teammates. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I have to. I because I still don't have. I don't have the stuff in front of me. You yeah. Know? Like I don't know the stuff off the back of my hand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they're both. I mean, P- Benjamin Peterson is also a rookie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Santino Ferrucci didn't have a full time ride last year. Mm-hmm. Um. He did run at the 500 for Dryan Reinbold, actually, um, last year. But, um, yeah, I, I think it was the the first time uh, a Foyt driver has started in, like, the first two rows since, like, 2001 or something crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, Foyt's he's had... the only teammate this year to do that, to get in the first two rows. It, yeah, he's the only... Well, He's the only AJ Foyt guy to get in the first two rows in the last, since in, since in like the last twenty years. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of nuts. And for AJ Foyt, I feel like that's like, you know, I guess it's not one of the top like performers, but I get he's a mainstay, right? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Foyt his, I mean, AJ Foyt drove for himself. Yeah, yeah, for a long time, and um, I mean, throughout the seventies, I, I don't know if he was driving for himself technically in the sixties, but. Um, Where was Erickson at? Sorry. Uh, he is 10th. 10th. Yep. It's still competitive. I was just curious because mm-hmm. I know he's, like AJ Foyt, he's funding himself. Um, and he was last year's winner. I feel like he got to check in there. Yeah. Um, he probably won't win. <laughs> uh, he could win from back there. I mean, he put up a 235 lap in in practice morning of along yeah, with true. Alex Plow and yeah. Takuma Sato. And hasn't he won another Indy car race in the last year? Yeah, so since? Marcus Erickson won at St. Pete the season opener this year. And he won the 500 last year. Right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, any former winner I think is always a threat. Yeah. I feel like there's... How a, many people go back to back? Um, not many. Um, yeah. Elio Castroneves is the last one to do it and that was 2001-2002. Um, before that, I am pretty sure it was um, Al Unzer Sr. in 70 and 71. Um, and then before that, it's... I know Bill Vukovic won, I think, in 53 and 54, or maybe 52. Let me check. Um, See an insurance. Fifty-three album. and fifty-four. Bill Vukovic. Yeah. No, I mean he's arguably like the best driver in Indianapolis Motor Speedway history. He led like seventy percent of the laps he ran at the track, and he was he was leading the race in nineteen fifty-five and died in a wreck. Oh wow. Yeah, he was like my grandpa's favorite driver. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I feel a little bad now. I just know they say the, you know, Vukovic is a big uh, he's a big sponsor of White Sox games. So. 
insurance guy. <laughs> Could be really good. Yeah, that's the only connection I had, so. All right, anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's pretty uncommon um, to win back-to-back, so. Yeah, before that it was Mari Rose in 47 and 48, um, Wilbur, Wilbur Shaw in 39 and 40, um, and there might have been one before that, but I'm not positive. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's something i got to consider. I mean, it'd be really cool to see Erickson win again, but I, I'm, yeah, I'm still rooting for Rosie. Oh, me too, 100%. He's, Rosie feels like he's been mistreated, Yeah. Uh, and he's, you know, still, is he, is he fighting for his seat? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, um, I mean, Pillow is 1,000% going to McLaren next year. Yeah, week. yeah. So. It was just a matter of circumstance. That <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, whether or not they McLaren goes to four cars, um, I did see a tweet today. I think it was from Jenna Fryer, who's the, the AP motorsports writer, mm-hmm. um, that he had been contacted by, um, Marcus Erickson had been contacted by, Several teams, and I think the implication was that one of them was McLaren. So, yeah, I would assume. <laughs> um, yeah, they're they're asking for a steep discount because um, he messed them up last year. Erickson? No, not Erickson. Erickson's getting. Yeah, I was oh, talking about shit. Erickson. I thought you were talking about Below. No, no, Erickson. His good for him, man. Offers. Good yeah. for him. So Rosenquist might, yeah. Yeah, Rosie might be out. Yeah. Uh, where would he go? I don't know. That's a very good question. I mean, I... I think depends. he stays in any car. It, I think... Uh, I would hope so. Uh, I don't know if that will... If, like, it'll shake out where he'll have a seat worth sticking around for. Okay. The way yeah. it shakes out. I mean, hopefully Andretti would... I think would be a good landing spot. I, that, I think, depends on what happens with Grosjean, if he resigns, mm-hmm. um, and what happens with Devlin. Yes. Yeah. Kirkwood and Hurt are locked in. Um, Grosjean, I think everyone is kind of expecting him to resign, but that's obviously yet to be confirmed. As, um, as much as I hate to say it, I think, yeah, he's worth it. Yeah. Yeah, he performs, man. Yeah, I mean, I think it might be about funding, like... If they can find the money to to field that car for him, mm-hmm. I think if McLaren doesn't happen, which unfortunately it seems very likely that that's the case, um, there's also the possibility he was at Ganassi before he left for McLaren, um, and it was kind of again it was kind of like an unexpected thing. Like yeah, McLaren kind of poached him. Um, he could go back there. Yeah. Like, that would be a good, especially if Erickson leaves, too. Be like, uh, early, uh, maybe, maybe basically Powell and Rosie switch seats. Essentially, which, yeah, yeah I mean, Pelot took, er, or took Rosenquist's <laughs> seat when he left, so it would be kind of taking, just taking a seat back, but, um, yeah, we'll see. It's going to be interesting how everything plays out. There's a lot of big names up for, up for contract this year, so, yeah. Yeah, especially after Rosie wins uh, this weekend, this coming weekend. Uh, it's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling Dixon. 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 That's what I'm feeling. I think that's fair. All right. We're getting way... I, we need to talk about what happened at qualifying. We haven't, we haven't talked about that at all, other than Alex Pillow won pole. 
Uh, we talk no, we about need to get back on track here. Just keep it in mind. Fine. Keep, keep us in line, AJ. Okay, well, we haven't talked about... I mean, we did kind of briefly touch on Jack Harvey, but, like, what did you guys think of the last row shootout? What do you guys think about bumping in general? Because Jack Harvey bumped out his teammate and son of his <laughs> team owner, Graham Rahal, um, to get in the field on the very last attempt of not only the day, but the weekend. Um, barely, barely nicked him. Um and got in the field. I thought it was pretty exciting. The whole qualifying format, I know, was... I think it's been pretty well-received mm-hmm. uh, across fandom, and in, including F1, which did not have a race running this weekend, so yeah. they probably uh, had a little bump from viewership. I know I had friends who were F1 fans watching, and people were saying, hey, why don't we do this at Monaco, since Monaco is uh, such a qualifying-heavy race okay you have a face i'm so over f1 fans just like stealing indycar stuff and like <laughs> i'm just over it what i'm over mean it stealing indycar stuff the, like indycar like every change formula one has made in the last like five years other than like the sprint race qualifying mm-hmm. like it's all come from indycar pretty much yeah i mean indycar kind of took the knockout qualifying but, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not, like, super well-versed on long-term F1 history. I started watching, like, 2013 or so. So, I mean... I just want to point out, last show, you told me to stop being so adversarial, basically. And here we are. I contain multitudes, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Because I agree. I don't think they should be, po- you know, poaching... Uh, strategies from, well, but it, whole, it works out. If the it works, whole it works. Formula, the whole new the they tried to shake everything up by making the cars less reliant on downforce, mm-hmm. more reliant on yeah. like, ground effect, which IndyCar did three years before them. They're trying to bring in all these street races. They're trying to steal IndyCar's. Trademarks, <laughs> yeah, literally, literally stealing copyright. Yes, greatest spectacle in race. They're trying to steal that. They've, well, they've like, yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, we, I, it was LL Cool J. We can take that <laughs> offline. We've talked about that yeah. a lot before. We can take that offline. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. I mean, but if you're hearing about this for the first time, LL Cool J, you know, he doesn't know racing. Neither does. Uh, DJ Khaled, so yeah. <laughs> take take their you know advice with a grain of salt. I'm over it. I'm over. It. And th- there was F1 posted an article today about how F1 changed the Indy five, like the history of the Indy five hundred, and like made it what it is today. Basically, I'm kind of I'm over it. They need to. Yeah, I, did, I didn't see that article. Off. I've been hanging out with you all day. <laughs> I didn't see that article. <laughs> I just I. I saw it. I wanted to react to it, and I was like, "Nope." And that, I'm going to choose a different path today, and I just. <laughs> that, I mean, that is a lot of what a bull crap, man. Yeah, there were plenty of people that engaged with it, but yeah, I'm over it. I'm over it. Okay, well, I think the qualifying went pretty well. I, I like Jack Harvey getting bumped. Uh, well, not getting bumped. Jack Harvey bumping mm-hmm. um, Graham Ray Hall. I thought that was good. 
for... Hold on. I want to go back. I actually think it would be a great idea if F1 stole that, like, took the one-lap flyer, one car on their own, because it would be so dreadfully boring for <laughs> F to watch F1, because you you would know exactly what was going to happen the entire time. It's It's the same thing. It's just drawn out over... Especially yeah. on a road course. Oh, yeah. No, it's just Max Verstappen and Jacko yeah. going at it. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. Ever, like, they're just doing it all at the same time to make it more efficient and fit better into a TV window. If you had that exact thing stretched out over three hours, it would kill viewership. So I'm fully on board with F1 stealing I, that idea, actually. You know, I think there's... I, I think F1 stealing that idea... It's hard for me not to think back to Checo last year crashing... At the end of qualifying, which kind of caused him to get the seat to get pole, um, which is a big contention among Red Bull fans and F1 fans in general. If, uh, whereas, like, some of the instances on uh, Sunday qualifying, it was like you have one attempt. Not a time, not a, hey, go, you guys all have 20 minutes, go out and run as fast as you can. One attempt, that's it. I kind of like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Instead, I don't know. Um, it doesn't allow for manipulation at all. Uh, it's just like, really, it real boils it down to like, this is it. I, I can only imagine the pressure that's going on in, <laughs> in the driver's head. Well, I think that still exists in, like, a regular group qualifying format. Like, that pressure is still there for the driver. Because, like, you're still running out of time. If someone else wrecks, you're out of time. you got to get in now. So It's different, though. It, it's a little different, but it's not that different. It's different because you know from the get-go. You're thinking about it all day. I have this specific moment where I have to well, Yeah, but also perform. in group qualifying, you have to do it three times. Which I think is a little bit easier because I, I messed that one up. I got the next two, you know. Um, well, no, because if you mess this, the first one up, then you don't get the other two. Yeah, and I, I, but I still think like even in IndyCar qualifying or Indy 500 qualifying here, like was Pulel going as fast as he could in, in the first couple of rounds? I don't know. I think so. I think he was. Really. Well, yeah. I think you're trying to get in the top 12, but you're fine if you're, you know, eighth and you're one of the last to go. The difference between, and this is, like, final speeds, the difference between first and 12th is 1.6 miles an hour. The difference between 1.6, like, that that 1.6 miles an hour is like one blip off the throttle mm-hmm. over the course of four laps. So if you pause to let your foot off the gas for a second, you're out of the fast 12. You have to be going, you have to try and go as fast as you can. There's no way you can throttle back a mile and a half over four laps. That's impossible. That's harder to do than going 234 miles an hour at full throttle. What about for the courses that are not just ovals? Like, there's no way that they can... Well, that's... It's a very different type of driving. That is way more driver-dependent. Because you can, like, bully a car into going fast. Hmm. Like, oval racing is so much more precise. Travis Pastrana, 
I think. I, maybe it wasn't Travis Pastrana. I don't know. But, like, yeah, I think it was Travis Pastrana. Dr- started driving NASCAR. And he was talking about how, I mean, he's a, you know, motor, like a dirt bike racer. Dirt bike racing, you can, if you want to go faster, you just brake deeper. You, you Like, you go deep, you, you just go mm-hmm. ten tenths the entire time. Do everything at the absolute limit. Oval racing, to go faster, you have to get more and more precise. You have to hit your marks. You have to turn in at the exact right second. You have to release the steering wheel at the exact rate that you need to to like maximize the circumference of the turn, to hit the apex at the exact point that you want to hit it at, to optimize when you can, well, not in this instance, but like when you can get back on the gas, like how far out you can get to the wall to, again, extend that arc to, you know, kind of minimize the amount of speed you're scrubbing off. Like, you have to be more precise. You have to be more perfect. Yeah. So it's like very, it's very different. Yeah. Pastrami, he was on the Deeds and Watson car, right? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. <laughs> Well, I understand what you're saying. Don't get me wrong. I, I just feel like, um, you know, and I, I haven't been in the car. I don't know. Well, what neither have I. I have full disclosure, neither have I. <laughs> I just feel like Polo getting pole in the final group or the final attempt feels a little bit more like, or maybe, and maybe it's he figured something out, you know. Like in the final attempt, maybe that's what it is, but it it, it was shock, and it was you know I gotta wonder if he was pushing it to you know was he trying to get pulled up first two times you know absolutely yeah he's a race car driver he's always trying to be first well hopefully yeah yeah I think so yeah I you know I would think so but some people are just trying not to die um. Yeah. So there's that too. Uh, so Jack Harvey, you know, I'm pretty pretty happy with that. I, I thought the bump was really cool. It's kind of you know, I'm, I'm, it's unfortunate circumstances that Grammarie Hall is still driving uh, in the E500. You think that's unfortunate? Well, let, hold on. Let's I think talk unf- more about Jack Harvey first. Let's. You got a lot to say about Jack Harvey. Well, yeah, because I mean, uh, Jack Harvey has had for you know. For all intents and purposes, he's had an awful year so far. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, this was not like... It's not like he came out on top No, in this situation. You're, he wasn't last. Yeah. That's but, the best way to put it. <laughs> he pulled through when he had to pull through. Mm-hmm. Like, chips are down, you know... High limit table in Vegas. You're sitting there. You're waiting for what is it? The flop. Part of me is like, did he? It's he pushed him in. The sun was coming in and out. You know, shadows. Like, well, it's all it's all chance. It's all chance. And that's what I'm saying. Did he pull it out more than Graham? I I don't know if you can say that. Well, did he did he get into the race? Yeah, yeah, he did, but barely. Yeah, part of me is like, is a chance? Barely. I think probably more chance than not at this point because they're so close. Barely is still in. Barely is still in. 
Yeah. Tell you what, he's not taking. If he, I feel like Ray Hall's been performing. I I don't know. They're bullpen at the back, but Ray, like, if I'm Ray Hall, Otterman, Lanigan, I'm looking at both of these drivers, and I'm saying you're both at the back of the grid. One qualified, one didn't. I don't really care. I do not care. You both have not been performing. You know who cares? David Letterman? Well, yeah. David <laughs> Letterman and Bobby Rahal and Michael Lanigan and uh, the staff accountants at Rahal Letterman Lanigan <laughs> who are going to be cashing the check for <laughs> participating in the Indianapolis 500. How much do they get? Uh, it depends on where they finish. Okay. So, what, five bucks? But right they're now? still getting paid. And you know who, well, you know who wasn't going to get paid? Graham Ray Hall. Yeah, now he is. Well, he, he, he is now. But is he, he might be paying, who knows what's going on in the background. I, yeah, I don't know entirely <laughs> what the deal is, but I don't know. Was that exciting for you, Olivia? Like, the bumping aspect, knowing that someone was going home? Because it's, that's such a unique aspect of this sport you know well as your mom and i said we both <laughs> were feeling bad for whoever <laughs> would get bumped like that's so mean to just bump one driver why not anything more than one would feel a little bit more for some reason like a little bit more humane like you're just bumping one driver but it, it definitely did add an air of excitement of, of course to know who's it gonna be like there has to be one person Especially, of course, once it got down to the actual, the lowest four. Mm-hmm. And then seeing Jack Harvey <laughs> just at the last, like, last such effort seemingly come out of nowhere and pull it through. That was definitely exciting. Kind of unbelievable. But mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I, pre- I, I appreciate the need to cut someone. It, it does keep it more exciting, but... Why one person? What, what were you <laughs> thinking about? Well, both of you, because uh, there, there was like, you know, in the in the final shootout or whatever you want to call it, they had like an hour, right, to actually qualify, and they kind of all ran, and then it took like thirty minutes or something, and then Jack Harvey came out with like ten minutes left and got got the lap in mm-hmm. with you know final minutes. Like I feel like he's his teammate. And they're just like, yeah, we're going to... I feel like, strategy-wise, you would want to get both the guys out there to compete and try and bump Catherine Legg down. Well, wait, she was Ray Hall, Letterman, Lang. Who was... Who uh, was uh, Catherine Legg was already locked in at that point. She so was, It was yeah. uh, Lungard, Stingray Rob... Stingray. Graham Ray... Graham Ray... Yeah. <laughs> Graham Ray, Ray. Graham Graham Ray, Ray Hall <laughs> and Jack Harvey. Those were the four in the last row. So down. you're trying to get Stingray out. Yes. Why aren't you putting both of them out there as quick as you can? Well, I think you told me this, and I've seen some stuff on Twitter, and I, I haven't. We like I don't think any of us have rewatched the coverage, mm. um, but I recall you telling me that Graham Rahal had an issue with his weight jacker, and yeah. if he fixed it, it would bump out his time. Yeah, and if you're in the field, you absolutely, under no circumstances, withdraw your time. You're in the field, you do not. I get that. Anything can happen. And that that's bitten people in the past. You do not withdraw your time. Mm-hmm. Because then Jack Harvey's in the field and you just gave up your spot. Yeah. yeah. You just gave it up. You had it and you gave it up. So you do not do that. If Jack Harvey had gone out and 
well, granted, they probably didn't have time to finish it at that point anyway. But, like, if Jack Harvey had gone out in that first run, and I think that's why he went out when he did, mm-hmm. was that if he did bump Graham, they would still... Graham would still have a chance to go out. I think that's why they did that. Yeah. Like, if they weren't teammates, if it were Stingray Rob, I think Jack Harvey would have waited until the absolute last second to go. Okay. Um, But knowing what we know now, like, I don't think Graham was ever going to go back out. I don't... Yeah, probably not. I kind of forgot about the Wade Jagger, even though I, like, you know, they announced on the video board. I saw it happen. I I can recall it, but... Mm -hmm. I just remember sitting there for like 30 minutes before they had announced that. Like, why aren't they going? <laughs> uh, like, well, you know, why aren't they trying to compete with getting Stingray out? Well, I, you would have had to... Graham would have had to go again and beat Stingray. And then... They both And were. then Jack Harvey would have had to have gone out and beat Stingray. And who knows? Stingray might have gone out and put up a better time. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of, like... Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they made any wrong decisions in in hindsight. I don't think wrong. No. Um, Given what they knew at the time. I mean, if you knew that Jack Harvey was going to go faster, yeah, then yeah, you would have withdrawn your time and fixed the weight jacker and gone back out. But I think they made a lot of wrong decisions leading up to the weekend. Probably. They, I think yeah. they would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> so... I think that's the real problem, you know, <laughs> at this point. Well, well, let me ask you this. This is more in the Jack Harvey vein, but, like, did he save his job? Is he, like, at least for the rest of the year, is Jack Harvey in that seat because of what he did on Sunday? I feel like rest of the year, sure. Beyond that, no. Okay. Like, he, how can he be satisfied with the most important race, people always say this, that they they are planning this race since January or February, and or beyond that, and you come out and perform at such a low level. Uh, I would, if anyone in the right mind would say that he should be on the chopping block at the least. Who do you think they would replace him with? I don't know. I mean, there's like J.R. Hildebrand is out there, Sage Karen. There's a handful of drivers out there that like have experience and that you could slot in there. I'm sure, there's plenty of rookies too that they could throw well, in there. That's true. Um, and I mean, once you've once you've kind of given up that full time ride, like there's they're not going to win. Like there's no championship fight there. You know what I mean? Like you're. You're kind of once you pull a driver out, you're kind of giving up hope that they'll be in contention at the end of the season. So it, it kind of gives you the opportunity to like try some people out, especially if like they can bring some money, like yeah. some sponsorship money. Yeah, like some so, Russian yeah. oil money. <laughs> what? Yeah, <laughs> amongst other things. Like Kali, <laughs> want to get a? <laughs> Do we want to get some Haas in here? Um, and it all really hinges on the 500, their performance in that race, for the rest of the season? Well, no, not necessarily, but, I mean, Jack Harvey's had a really rough start to the year. Um, so, so what's, I mean, when's all, the start of the year? January? Uh, April. Or, well, March. Okay. So just a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, Jack Harvey is not... I don't think he has any 
good results this year. So yeah. they yeah. cut him after like a couple months of just bad performance and switch him out. And they could potentially okay. um, if they don't think the problems with the car. Yeah, I mean, I suppose if their contract isn't doesn't say for the full season. Yeah, I would think. Ray Hall, Waterman, Lanigan has a problem with the car. I yes, I <laughs> like totally agree. <laughs> like Lungard, his performance last weekend was like kind of an anomaly. Yeah. Uh, other than that, they've been in the back. Well, I mean, uh, again, Harvey started third last in the Grand Prix yeah. last week. Graham was right behind him in like seventh or something. I can't remember. Yeah. He, was, he started in the top ten. So, hmm. like, they all had performance last week, but. Graham and Lungard both finished in the top 10 after starting up there. Jack Harvey finished 20th at the GMR Grand Prix. Like, big difference. For lack of better words, he kind of shit the bed. Yeah. <laughs> Again, his results this, this year so far 22nd at St. Pete, 18th at Texas, 13th at Long Beach, 24th at Barber. And then twentieth at the GMR Grand Prix, so hmm. his his best finish in a year in five races with Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan is a tenth place finish at Nashville. He has one top ten in twenty races, twenty two races. Yeah, the spots are too valuable. Yeah, that would like even if there's something fundamentally wrong with the car. I mean, Christian Lungard and Graham Ray Hall can still manage to. Geek, top ten. Geek out a top ten every yeah. once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you put it that way, it's hard for me to to rationalize keeping him around. Yeah. Well, I, I don't expect him to be in the car at the end of, the, like, after this year. Mm-hmm. Part of me, while I was out there, while, or while he was out there, when we were sitting there in standy watching, I was thinking, like, is this the last time Jack Harvey is going to be in an indie car? Like, I was genuinely thinking that. Because I, I did not expect him yeah. to pull it off. I was not expecting mm-hmm. that at all. So, you got to wonder if that, like, was running through his... If it was running through my mind... Oh, it's definitely running through his mind. Yeah. yeah. Like, do you think that could have played a role? It's like, I got to oh, push it. I could... You could sense it, yeah. It was like a last-ditch effort. Yeah. Pull out all the stops. Yeah. But that does... Sorry. No, you're good. That does remind me of Tony Kanaan. Last Oops. time, potentially, in, indie, in an indie car. Mm-hmm. Or at least at the 500, I suppose. Yeah. yeah they did had you a, see the video? They had a great little tribute to him. They did. Uh, his letter to the fans. Yeah. Which I will always remember uh, because an hour earlier he didn't sign the program. <laughs> <laughs> I held right in front of him. You were, you were so, I was so close. close. And I understand. Close. I understand where he's coming from. He can only take so many. Yeah. But it was hard. <laughs> didn't he? Did he look at you? Or was oh, that... he kind of he kind of gave me the glance. You know, uh, he, he did one of those. Like he, he was like, "Hey, man, I got I got to get to the." <laughs> he had his his handler was rushing him back. So you he know, would have if he could have. I think if his handler wasn't there, I could have gotten for that. sure. Um, oh, so close. Yeah. Well, I'm sure he'll be out schmoozing for the rest of the week. My dad will have a good shot at 
<laughs> get, get his autograph, I think, at some point. <laughs> as big of an autograph hound as my dad is, I think he, he's got a decent shot at it. Oh, for sure. You get the you get the garage pass, the bronze pass, or whatever. You, oh, yeah. That was... If you're going, you got to get that, I feel like. It's it like the nuts. best deal in sports. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've paid more for White Sox games. Like, regular season White Sox <laughs> Which games. is the saddest thing <laughs> <humanly> possible. <laughs> You should not be broadcasting, Tyler. That's not something you should be proudly telling people. Um, well, overall, I mean, any surprises, any like major disappointments other than Graham Rahal from qualifying as a whole? Uh, surprises? You know, I considering the course of the weekend, pole qualif- taking pole is pretty big. Uh, yeah. Not totally unexpected. Not unexpected at all. Uh, he's having a great year. Um, and then um, Stefan Wilson crashing today or yesterday. Yeah. That was a surprise. Yeah. I think uh, Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan's disappointing. Uh, nothing surprising there, though. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think about any unique people who popped. You know, Renus VK had taken second. Yeah, he's never started worse than fourth at the Indy 500. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And he, yeah. has he won a 500? No. No, he's not. Um, I was, I mean, we kind of talked about this. The, the Foyt cars, that was a huge surprise for me. But for you, Olivia, were there anything, was there anything that like, I mean, not having some context, but not having, I guess, the context of the season leading up to it? Was there anything that was like a big shocker to you? No, I mean, no one came out of the woodworks for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do feel like some of the, I would say more popular, if you will, at least in my opinion, drivers like Connor Daly, Joseph Newgarden, mm-hmm. um, even like Power, Carpenter, Alherta, a lot of them are like 10 and beyond, which mm-hmm. I think I expected potentially at least a couple more of of them to hit the top 10, if that makes sense. At least for me, that's like the names that I'm like used to hearing more often from mm-hmm. the years past. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, again, like the top 10 are so common names, but I am kind of surprised. I, I don't know. Yeah, VK was a surprise to me too. It, does it make you like more or less interested that like the names that you're familiar with aren't up front? Or is it, like, not necessarily more interested, but is it more compelling or less compelling? I think, if anything, it just it just still makes me question the cars. Like, all I can, all I can think about is, like, the car strategy, because I'm so used to seeing some of these names in the top ten, if not the top five, year after year. For some, you know, they, they do all range within I think the top 20 the names that I'm mentioning and mm-hmm. that are already in the top 10 mm-hmm. but it really that's what really makes me want to look more at the quality of the car and like so it's not a surprise because I know it all is so close together but it just makes me question like ugh, what is their strategy like what's the engineering that's all I start to think about myself mm-hmm. it's like what's differentiating them this year versus years past mm-hmm. when we know they're good drivers mm-hmm. and we know their teams are successful 
Yeah. That's what... Like, yeah. for me, it was like, Connor Daly's not in last. <laughs> not in last? Yeah, that was weird. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> I know he's got the fan base, but like as a new fan, I was like, "Wow!" You're okay. gonna badmouth our our colleague, our fellow IndyCar podcast host. I hey, listen, I got nothing against the guy. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> it was a shock to me as a new fan. Like, okay, you know. Like, Would you say that to his face if we ran into him in the gasoline alley? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think that'd be okay. I was surprised that you did so well. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Can you please sign my friend's dad's book? <laughs> yeah. Please sign this program. <laughs> I don't know. Your interaction with Pato Award tells me you're. I would fanboy so you're hard. Talking out your ass a little bit right now. I fanboy so hard over everyone. Like even like you know, the, like I even the guys even the guys in the pit lane I was like do you see those guys I mean oh seeing them up front I'm with you I almost fangirl harder for them they than were the drivers they were men amongst boys they're so burly Mr. Pato, burly. <laughs> Mr. Pato <laughs> yeah yeah can you sign my book that was cute <laughs> please Pato for context isn't that what Pato said when he was walking up to. Oh yeah, pa, pa, there's a great moment. I hope some camera got it, but uh, I was trying to get Tony's uh, Tony Canon's autograph, and Pato went running into the McLaren like I don't know. Yeah, well, like right behind him. Yeah, hospitality area. hospitality area, yeah. and he goes Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. It was, it was like I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Um, you know, one of those moments where you're just seeing two two legends interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, people won't call Pato a legend, but he's a legend in the making, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. So. I do think the next time we're there, we need to shift our focus to the pits. Yeah, yeah, I had a good time, you know. And the, the pit lane guys, the, uh, dude, I mean, those guys, burly men with mustaches, mullets, Beards. smoking cigarettes. In the pits? No, they weren't smoking cigarettes in the pits. In no, in the garage. Alley. Yeah, gasoline alley. They're smoking. Um, I don't know. Just real. So many of them. Yeah. They're like the most burly men you've ever seen, and they're in the full blown. People overalls. are definitely smoking cigarettes in the pits, though, because there were cigarette butts in the trash can. So. <laughs> Awfully bold to be. <laughs> smoking, smoking cigarettes on high octane engines. Yeah. Yeah. Gallons and gallons of race fuel. Well, they got a fire department. It is Indiana. <laughs> yeah, it's custom. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, we're, yeah, we're we're quickly racking up the time, so let's. We should talk about the five hundred. Um, uh, before we we wrap this episode up, just it, it looking ahead past this weekend. Um. Uh. Again. Alex Plow is Sitting is on pole. Um, is he the like heavy heavy favorite? Is he like for for me? I don't think he is. No, no. I mean, why not? Uh, I first off, we we just said twenty percent of pole winners win. Mm-hmm. That means eighty percent of them don't. Um, yeah. And. I feel like he didn't perform consistently in qualifying. He had the one that mattered. Mm-hmm. Um, and for, you know, 
Erickson won it last year. Young guys win it all the time, but I feel like there's enough talent and experience on the uh, grid that will outperform him uh, in a long race like this. You think so? I mean, he's a former champion. He's When's been- the last time he won? Uh, last week. <laughs> you saw him win. I meant the, five, <laughs> the 500. Oh, he's never won the 500. Oh, okay. But he's a series champion. But he won, yeah. Okay. He won the championship in 2021. Um, okay. He was fighting for the win in, in 2021. He finished second. Um, he was up there last year and then got caught out, I think, in... Uh, uh, just a bad, badly timed yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, in terms of experience, like, other than your Scott Dixon, Will Power, Joseph Dugarden, mm-hmm. like, there aren't that many guys that have, I would say, have more experience being at the front of the field than Alex Pillow at this point. That's probably fair. Listen, I don't know everything, man. Yeah, no, but, I know. Um... I just feel like Polo doesn't. Uh, he's got to fight. I guess he does. He, he it'd be good to have the Indy Five Hundred win, right? Mm-hmm. But there are guys who are hungrier, and he, sometimes I think like you get on pole and you you're celebrating already, mm-hmm. and you're hopefully not losing sight of what's coming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I just don't. I also just don't want him to win. I want Rosie to win. Like, yeah, I feel like he deserves it, and he really needs it to go into this transition. Yeah. Do Do you think it's going to end up being just Ganassi versus McLaren the entire day? Sure, it all seems like it. Yeah. If it's not mm-hmm. McLaren versus McLaren, yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Olivia, who did you? Who's your pick? Did you say well, this is what we kind of differentiated before. I think there's someone that we want to win and someone that we think will win. And I think, for me, I want slash think Dixon will win. I think he's been really close a lot of times, and he has yet to win a 500. He won in 2008. So he's, won, he's won once. Oh, a long time Oh, my gosh. That is a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, and he Scott Dixon has led the most laps of anyone ever at the Indy 500. He's but only won once. That I feel like he's always in the top like five to ten. Like I think, he I is. think he will <laughs> achieve another 500 before he retires, if and when that is. So I have high predictions slash hopes for him, mm-hmm. but I mean I don't know. I do feel like. VK, I think he has great potential to also win. I think that's probably my second prediction. I would like nothing more than for Rios. <laughs> <Rikers. laughs> I, I would love that too. I would love that for Ed Carpenter. Yeah, I think that would, Ed Carpenter. I unfortunately, I think his time, his his window of opportunity as a driver to win the Indy Five Hundred is coming to a close. But as an owner, I think as mm. fast as Renus has been for his entire career. At the 500, I think winning as an owner is very much within the realm of possibility for Ed Carpenter, mm-hmm. which would be great. And it would be great for Renus, too. Like, he's a good young mm-hmm. young driver, obviously very talented. He's won a race 
um, in in his career. So like he obviously has what it takes, um, and yeah, he obviously can go fast, which is at the end of the day, <laughs> that's what matters. <laughs> so at the end yeah. of the day, this is about speed. Yeah. So um, who's your prediction? I I I think Pelo will win. Is as close as he's been. The You're last a Pelo fanboy. I am not. I actually like don't like him very much. Really? Yeah. But he's <laughs> undeniably fast. He's good. He is very very good. And I I I would go as far to say is that outside of Joseph Newgarden, he. Alex Pillow is the best driver in the series. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I think it's, in terms of just, like, talent, I think it's Alex Pillow and Joseph Newgarden are, well, Joseph Newgarden is 1A, Alex Pillow is 1B. Yeah. That's, and I, I know Alex Pillow's only won, like, what, five races? What do you mean 1A? Like. The top of the top. It's, yeah, it's. He's not in the it's top close. 10. Joseph Newgarden is better, and like the statistics are hard to argue with there. Um, He's not in the top ten for the five hundred. Joseph Newgarden. Mm-hmm. No, but I mean, just in terms of like overall driver ability and skill and. Okay, so like, even for the five hundred, you think? Well, no, I just overall as a driver. Like, I mean, Michael Andretti is a top ten driver of all time, and he never won the Indy five hundred as a driver. So, like, the Indy 500 is kind of the ultimate. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who've had great careers and never won or have, like, really had a hard time winning. I mean, look at Tony Kanaan. Like, he led, I think it was, like, 10 of his first 11 Indy 500s or something and, like, didn't win any of them. And, like, it took until 2013. He led Mm -hmm. every year of his career and it took 10 years to actually win the 500 so like it's a hard one to win it's really hard and unfortunately Joseph Newgarden has not been able to to seal the deal on that one yet yeah but but yeah so 1A like Joseph Newgarden he's won I don't know how many races in his career quite a few at this point um I mean he's 26. He's won 26 races over 12 years. Um, 48 podiums, 17 poles. Like, in terms of overall number of wins, that's pretty high up mm-hmm. in IndyCar terms. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott Dixon, I mean, he's almost halfway to Scott Dixon, I think. Or close to it at this point. So, um, but Alex Pillow obviously has what it takes to be at that level, I think. That, so that's what I mean by 1A and 1B. So we got Pillow, we got Newgarden, and we have... Wait, did you say Newgarden? No? Who'd you say? Dixon. Dixon. And VK. Dixon, VK. Yeah. Pillow and Rosie. Oh, well, and my addendum to that is that I, I think Pillow will win. I also want Felix Rosenquist to win. I think that would be great. Um, he seems like a really cool guy, and obviously it would be great for some off-season drama if... Oh, yeah. McLaren decides to not re-sign the Indy 500 winner. I think that would be... That would make for some good content for us. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, 
So, yeah, I mean, we've hardly talked about Team Penske. I don't know what you guys make of their chances this year. I mean, Penske historically has owned the Indian, well, and he literally owns the Indianapolis Motor Speedway now, but figuratively owned the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for most of its history, or mm-hmm. at least its recent history. Do you think they do have a chance, or they is it, you know, is it possible to rule them out at this point? Who's on Penske? I was just going to ask. Uh, Will Power, Joseph Newgarden, Scott McLaughlin. Yeah, they're up. Yeah? Yep. For the 500, or? Yeah, I think they're up. Okay. Um, I feel like, uh, uh, don't get me wrong, it'd be cool to see McLaughlin win. Um, and, like, it's kind of weird that he's not up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just don't. I think positioning plays a big part yeah. Yeah. Uh, in winning this race. And mm-hmm. if you're not in the first three rows, you're going to have a hard time. Yeah, That's what makes me think no as well. Like Otherwise, I, I of course, they sound like I think they would have great chances. But the positioning this year so far mm-hmm. doesn't seem too promising. Yeah. Well, do you think... Like team, I mean, it's been several years since Penske's been competitive at the 500. Like, <laughs> we have a we have an invasion <laughs> happening. There's a a cat uh, who yeah, thinks that they they can run the 500. A special guest star. Has a cat um, ever run on the track for the 500? Um, I'm any sure animal, at some point. Any animals? Um, there was a fox that I I don't know if it was practice last year or a couple of years ago. There's a fox that kind of lives around somewhere and has That's cool. appeared on the track when cars have also been on track. Oh. Well, maybe he'll make an appearance. You never know. Ooh, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was I talking about? Were you talking about Team Penske? Team Penske. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like, what do you think? Like, do you think they're irrelevant at this point? For this race, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, kind I, of what I just asked. There's probably going to be... I, how... Has there ever been an Indy 500 without a yellow? Uh, no. Yeah. So, like, that's going to shake things up, I imagine. Yeah. Um, so, I don't want to knock them out entirely like I did before, uh, you know, two minutes ago. But they need some, some chance to work in their favor. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely don't think they're irrelevant because I'm sure with... Between pitting and potential crash, I mean, who knows? Who knows what will happen? I think they definitely stand a great chance. They're between the 10th and 20th positions, Mm -hmm. and they've been strong in the past, of course, but I Mm -hmm. do think that I think they'll just kind of remain in the middle based Mm -hmm. off of their positioning. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, What about the one-off teams and drivers? Do you guys think they have any reasonable chances to at least be competitive? And Olivia, they're drivers in cars that are just running in the 500. And so that's Ryan hunter Ray, um, well, Ryan Reinbold, and Graham Ray Hall, which we didn't really talk about that, is filling in for Stefan Wilson, who broke a vertigo. I guess we did talk about that. We talked about it, yeah. Um, we're, we're coming up on our second hour here. Well, that's good. <laughs> so, yeah, we've, we've talked about so much that I'm kind of forgetting what we've talked about. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, Graham Ray Hall is filling in for the injured Stephen Wilson. Marco with Andretti Autosport, Marco Andretti. Um, R.C. Enerson with Able Motorsports, which is a Indy Next 
team that's making the jump up for the race. Um, and then uh, Catherine Legg, who's running a one-off uh, car for Ray Hall and Lanigan. Um, but yeah, so do you guys think uh, any of those teams or drivers have a reasonable chance of being competitive? Catherine Legg, yeah. You think so, even I, after the crash? Yeah, I think she'll be, well, define competitive. Because uh, I think for her, for Ray Hall and Lanigan, like, competitive is like, you know, finishing the race in the top 15, top mm-hmm. 20, you're going to be good, right? You're bumping up seven spots. Yeah. Um, or eight spots, wherever she's at. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think I think she can be competitive in their in their own right, but what they're doing with the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, do you think that's what Ray Hall and Lanigan should be hoping for, is just to finish the race like is is someone finishing on the lead lap would that be a successful week for them you think if i were if i were rll and i'm not but i I would say let's try something super experimental in terms of strategy Mm -hmm. and just see how it goes yeah because it doesn't get worse Mm -hmm. yeah so I would have a similar response. Like, what I would almost like counter and say, what's their goal beyond if they're only racing in this monumental race? Mm-hmm. I would think they would have to have a unique strategy mm-hmm. in order to actually glean something from yeah. participating. Yeah. What would, what, what would you, what do you think? <laughs> what, what's a win for Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan in your eyes? Oh, well, I mean. Yeah, I mean, fin- finishing in general would be great. I mean, if they can get all three cars to the finish line, especially after wrecking one in practice, mm-hmm. I think that would be a positive for them. Um, I think f- having someone finish on the lead lap would be great. Um, I think very high end of expectations for them should be like a top ten from someone. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right on that. Mm-hmm. That's. I think that's probably the best they can hope for, which is unfortunate, but... Um, Top ten. I think it's fair. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting, especially for Graham Rahal, because I think arguably the Dryer and Reinbold cars are better. better. <laughs> um, the, the thing is, Graham Rahal is hopping into a backup car that hasn't been used in like the last two years or something, and had a go kart engine in it yesterday because <laughs> um, they were using it for pit stop practice or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he can do if he can get that car to the front. I mean, I, uh, Stefan Wilson had, um, had qualified 25th. Now with Graham Rahal taking over, he'll have to start 33rd. Mm-hmm. Um, the car goes to the back of the field. Um, so we'll see how far he can make his way through the field, but, um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I don't have anything else. If you guys are are good, yeah, I think we covered the gamut here, and yeah, <laughs> you know, thank you uh, for listening. If you're still listening, you're still around. I just want to explain that we are coming to you live uh, for the first time from Indiana, uh, from Indianapolis, uh, just a few miles away from uh, your Mecca IMS. And uh, if you hear any background noise or something, that's because we don't have a really great audio equipment set up. <laughs> but we still decided to come to you live and provide some different perspectives uh, and hope that you have a seat at the table here in the room with us 
if you're looking to reach out, feel free to shoot us an email at 16streetpod at gmail. That's a 16streetpod at gmail. Tweet at us at 16streetpod. Uh, we are the 16th Street Scandal. Feel free to review and subscribe anywhere you're getting this podcast right now. And shout out to Penny Wishes for our intro and outro music. Thanks, guys. Tweet. Bye. Peace. Three, two, one. Turn to go! Here they come! Coming to the finish line! Bob Jenkins, who's gonna win it?